Rich rags and riches, hieroglyphics off the wall. There's no strife for the afterlife, unwind and have a ball. Pyramids have power and secrets stash the world. Hello, Scoopsters. Hello, fools and ghouls. Today we are joined by, <laughs> first we have, he is currently a senior TV major at Hofstra, the producer of Two Weeks Notice, co-creator of Safety in Numbers, dog and bread connoisseur, fruit expert, survivor, big brother, master chef, super fan, secretary of Ben Kessler, Inc., writer and actor in the critically acclaimed TV series Pickle, starring Luke Becker and Ricky Wood, friend of Ricky Wood, son of Tom Hanks, and fan of all things Ben Kessler. Here he is, the talented, the knowledgeable, the great-smelling and hilarious one-of-a-kind friend, Luke Becker. <laughs> Hello, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to talk about dogs. Thanks so much for being on, Luke. We're already laughing. I have a feeling this is going to be good. Today, we also, as you can see, have on, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the one, the only, Henry Gerberson. It's Ricky Wood. Thank you so much for coming on, Ricky. And uh, I'm sorry that Henry couldn't be here. Uh, I'm in his place. We also have a very special third guest. It's a, it's a mm. large crew we have tonight. They are Rosa Edwards. Thank, Thank you so you. much for coming on, Rosa. Thank you. I'm Luke's hot roommate, um, <laughs> as, I've, as I've been referred to many a time before. Yes, and I'm uh, Rosa's weird roommate. Yeah. <laughs> this is very true. And today we're going to be talking about all things Scooby-Doo, Where's My Mommy? It is a direct-to-video 2005 movie. And last episode, Kaylee, we talked about Scooby-Doo and the Legend of the Vampire, which is very much in the same vein of this animation style. But before we dive into the movie, starting with Luke, Luke, why'd you want to be on the podcast today? We'll go around and just give a little bit. Did you watch Scooby as a child? Uh, what prompted you to say, I want to talk some Scooby? Well, as we all know, Scooby-Doo is a great Dane. And um, that was always my, my mom's favorite dog breed growing up. So I've always like known Scooby-Doo as like a great Dane, but like nothing really else. I never really watched it as a child. Um, I own Scooby-Doo 2, the movie, the one with the monsters. And the one with like the monster, um, I don't really know all the monsters, but I know one that he's like a scuba, scuba mask, I think. I don't really remember. But anyways, um, yeah, Great Danes are pretty cool. But um, yeah, uh, just trying to figure out how to get dogs to talk, I think, in the real world. I think that would be pretty awesome. Thank you. And Ricky, why did you want to be on the pod today? Well, um, two of my greatest friends are here, uh, Luke and Ben. Um, love them. I was asked to join. And I was very delighted to. Um, growing up, I was a I was a pretty big Scooby fan. I, I used to watch Scooby and Friends when like Batman would come on or the Globetrotters or the Three Stooges. They would come on sometimes. Um, I loved all the the DVD movies like um, Cyber Chase, uh, fan, the Hex Girls one, you know, the Alien one, uh, the movies, the live action movies. I watched those a lot. Um, the dogs, the comedy, the references, <laughs> the pop culture influence. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. And Rosa, why were you interested in hopping on the Scooby-Doo podcast, the premier Scooby-Doo podcast, I should add? Um, I was asked to be on this podcast by Lucas and Benjamin. Um, quite 
upstanding folk. I'll, I'll never do them wrong. Um, I've been a fan of Scooby-Doo since I was a little child. I have a little Scooby-Doo blanket and I've been a fan of mummies for a couple years now. And so when I realized I could combine these two passions of mine, I, um, I didn't want to let that slide. Uh, There's no way I was going to let that, you know, slip past my, my radar. Great opportunity and a great segue going into right into the movie. We're, we watched Scooby-Doo, Where's My Mommy, 2005. It's after that, what we've been talking about a lot, Kaylee, has been that late 90s, very early 2000s direct-to-home video. This is more of a, almost in this movie, is like 3D kind of animation style sometimes. They're really cool, different types of animation shots where they rotate around scenes. And this Scooby-Doo movie is one that I think flies under the radar a bit because it's just kind of random. They kind of picked mummies as a theme and we're like, Okay, Egypt. Kaylee, on the rewatch, anything strike you uh, just watching it through? You know, Casey Kasem, Frank Welker, obviously, as the two really staple voice actors. And I'm sure we'll get into if we enjoyed them, but just right away, anything that you took out of the movie? Um, so just like the last one we talked about, Legend of the Vampire, the animation is very similar to the What's New Scooby-Doo animation. So again, it's weird hearing the voice actors, but with this animation style, like from the old show. But, um, and also I think this was maybe my first time actually watching this one all the way through because when I got to the end, I had no memory of ever seeing that before. Um, So I enjoyed watching this one because I think it actually genuinely was my first time watching it. I had no memory of this one from childhood. Anyone else on just on the rewatch general thoughts about the movie watching all the way through Luke? Yeah, I was kind of not impressed by the animation. Um, I didn't know what year it came out when I first watched it or when I was like halfway through it. And I, I looked it up and it was like 2005. I was like, if I, if I, if you were to ask me like before I looked that up, um, I would have guessed like 1991 or like early nineties, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't think anything really was visually impressive with this movie, especially like being made in 2005. Can I also add that the um, the 3D animation in this movie was especially awful. Um, the locust scene when uh, Cleopatra has all these locusts coming out from behind her and you can see like multiple layers of them like laid over each other. It was really horrible. I didn't like it. Um, Good movie overall? No, I take average movie overall. Yeah, it has like a three, like a three star average rating um, on Letterboxd. So like, I, I was kind of, I was kind of like, that's a little high. I gave it a one when I personally rated it. Wow. Wow. And I'm, we'll get into the ratings towards the end, but Ricky on the watch, I know before we start recording right now, you mentioned that, you had, uh, you had some qualms with the voice acting in this. I did. Um, <clears throat> the animation, unforgivable. It's 2005. New technology was coming out. They wanted to try everything. Today, I was just talking about, you know, where did, where did the, whole, the, the whole 3D craze? It just disappeared, you know, but that's beside the point. Um, animation, I don't care. The real problem is the terrible, terrible voice acting by most of the actors. Um, Casey Kasem as Shaggy, He's a legend. He has never done me wrong, but I feel like in this one, he just kind of, he just kind of gave up, you know, he, he just, he, like, 
this is a good the one of the things i liked about this movie was that it focused more on like fred and daphne and velma which i thought was cool and there was less about shaggy and scooby but um shaggy sucked his voice was not good it was kind of cheesy uh it was just kind of like an over caricature of what shaggy's supposed to sound like and then the scooby character what the hell was that he just i don't know like it's just like the, he just laughed every time he talked and it just wasn't good and I like cried too much, pissed me off, quite frankly. And I was really upset with how, <laughs> with how well the voice acting went. Yeah, I was um, also. What else? I was also really annoyed by uh, Scooby. Um, I wrote that down. I, I wrote Scooby is annoying, and then um, I don't, his catchphrase, uh, Scooby Dooby Doo or whatever. Um, he said it five times in the movie. I, <laughs> I was just like, yeah, all right, was, like we get it. Ah. It was so forced. It was so forced. And then, oh no, there's that scene where uh, I think Shaggy trips in the sand and he like lets out like a scream, but like it was just agonizing. It was so bad. And then, oh, and then, and then that's when Velma feeds them Scooby snacks and Scooby says his catchphrase the first time. And then Shaggy's like, well, what about me? Uh, and Shaggy too. Oh, I was like, shut up, dude. Shut up. I, um, uh, I had a, I had a big problem with i i feel like scooby in this movie had no personality scooby-doo usually has a big personality but in this movie it seemed to be shaggy would make a joke and it's always a bad joke it was never good and then um scooby-doo would repeat the last word of the joke and that was the whole bit <laughs> um and that yeah, was unforgivable the whole face. scooby though to the point to fill in some plot for any listeners out there the movie really starts off, we have a nice cold open about Egypt, whatever. Okay, ooh, cool. Pharaohs, you know, Sphinx. Ooh, it's all this little stuff that they throw in there as like little antiques. A big part of the plot that I enjoyed, though, was how quick it goes from like first act, second act, third act, was the action scenes I thought in this one were fairly enjoyable just because of the music alone. And just based on, there were a few quirky jokes. There's the triple A joke at the start with fixing the van. And they named a character AAA. Cool. Good for him. And there's a joke where Cleopatra is in their canoe. And Shaggy says, like, she's right behind us. And then they, it pans over and she's in the same canoe as them. And I, I let out a chuckle. <laughs> and a big, big thing heading in to the plot-wise, too, was I think we have to go straight to the end with this big twist that I know is going to be uh, controversial. Velma turning out to be Cleopatra. <laughs> The mummy Cleopatra, who is apparently has a whole undead army. Kaylee, just to go first, what were your thoughts on this twist heading in? Um, I don't really think the twist paid off because this entire movie was, in my mind, more of an adventure movie than a mystery movie. So the idea that this big twist is like, we weren't supposed to see that coming. It was like, I don't really care at this point. Like, we get it. You guys had an adventure and went through this whole thing and everybody's safe. I don't really care who it was or what happened. Let's be done. Uh, that's my thoughts. Yeah, this movie felt very Indiana Jones-esque um, from everything like where they were to like uh, like they were running into booby traps and like uh, their ultimate goal. And um, yeah, I, I was wondering like what came first, like Indiana Jones or Scooby-Doo, where's my mummy? Um, obviously it was Indiana Jones, but uh I wouldn't be so sure. Yeah. <laughs> I said, um, 
I said there was like a combination of uh, Tomb Raider and Mummy, the Mummy movies, which is interesting because the guy who does the voice for AAA is the same guy who played the Egyptian uh, like guide in the Mummy movies. I thought that was cool. Nice little nod to great cinema pieces starring Brendan Fraser. The twist also, though, revolves around the Nile River having no water. Which is... What? <laughs> That's bad. That's... <laughs> This reminded me of Wonder Woman 1984, where for those that have not seen it, a twist in that movie is that suddenly a huge wall gets erected in somewhere in the Middle East, I forget where, and people from one side can now just not go to the other side, just randomly and supernaturally. And it felt kind of supernatural. At one point, Shaggy and Scooby are just riding on a flying carpet. When When it comes to the twist, though, Velma reveals herself and then just kind of says, I didn't want you guys to get in danger. Do we buy this? Do we, what, why do we think Velma didn't, wouldn't tell her friends about this? I don't know if I can really buy it fully. Um, <clears throat> I don't necessarily know what Velma's motivations are, but it doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem like the, the noble thing to do instead of, talk your friends out of it or assist them and make sure they don't get hurt because obviously there was a lot of planning and preparation behind this she has the resources to make sure that like nothing bad would happen but instead of doing that erects an a a foe undead army and um tries to trick her friends i think she was probably trying to keep the treasure for herself um but that's just my take Okay, obviously you've never been in a situation like that before. So oh, obviously, obviously. Obviously. So I say that I believe Velma because for the last however many episodes you've been doing this, all you do is talk about how hot Velma is. But now she does something kind of questionable. You're like, oh, I don't know if she's, if she's you know, if I believe her or not. I'm going to start a new movement called Believe Hot Women. And it's just if a woman's hot... You just believe her, and I, that's, I'm going to start going by that now. So I no. believe Elma. She's hot. I'm going to start following whatever it is she says. Thank this you. Is, this is a note for future Ben, who's editing this, to keep this part in and take out the part where I said Gaza instead of Pyramids of Giza. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> but you believe Velma based on just... Her, her looks, yes. Just based on her appearance, do you think it has anything to do with Omar, the prince? You like she's trying to impress him? She's trying to, you know, maybe split the treasure, maybe take it for herself and make sure the prince gets none. He's already a prince. I'm sure he's rich. No, right, I, think, but... I think I think Velma's trying to impress her friends, and that's why she didn't tell them. She was like, look at me. I can pull off this whole thing. They're not even going to know until the very end when I tell them. Tee-hee-hee. I'm so smart. And then Never considered that. That's what I think it was. Hmm. Luke, do you have any thoughts on the twist with Velma coming out as Cleopatra? And there's multiple Cleopatras, so it feels like there are multiple plans at the end of this and multiple twists, but the big one being that Velma dupes her friends for seemingly only to keep <laughs> them in the dark for the fun of it. Yeah, like I had a big question while watching this movie and like still even after watching it was like is the magic in the scooby-doo universe is it like real 
or is it like is is there magic or is there like explanations for all the magic because like like cleopatra was alive but no she wasn't it was velma in a costume all, all this time but like i was like thinking like oh there's probably explanations for all the magic that happens but then they go on a carpet and they fly around and there's obviously magic there i was kind of confused with this, the magic carpet this also, reminds me of it in half and the carpet fell to the ground so when you cut a magic carpet in half is it two magic carpets or is it just one magic carpet it's one broken this, magic what, carpet i, I think this reminds me of a quote that fred said during the film where he said i'm sure this can all be easily explained oh i guess it can't <laughs> This is Maybe that's the real magic of this movie. <laughs> it's another Scooby-Doo movie where you, if you think about it, the worse it's going to get. And we, Kaylee and I do this every time. We dig deeper into these questions, questioning the reality of a Scooby-Doo animated movie. And each time, we kind of just fill in the gaps on our own. And this leads me into a great question we've been asking every time, which is, does Scooby-Doo know that he's a dog? Now, there's no moments, like in other movies, where scooby-doo will look around when they say dog and he'll go wrong where that doesn't happen in this one but what does happen is when he is the supposed pharaoh to a cult which we'll get into there's a cult in this movie but when he's scubus which i laughed at when they just said scubus that's good that's good writing and they say you are you know the pharaoh scubus and he goes oh me scubus sounds like scooby okay let's not be dumb here is, we, is scubus a real word I don't. Let me let me correct it like the record. It's, it's based <laughs> off it's based off Anubis. Anubis. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, was, so just to start with Kaylee, in this movie, is Scooby Doo aware that he is a dog? Because I think this little moment is just another little indicator that maybe Scooby isn't even aware that he's like alive. No. Okay. So there's a moment in this movie where Shaggy opens like the little tomb thing, and Scooby's in there, and he goes, "Instead of King Tut, I found King Mutt." And Scooby doesn't go like, Mutt? Where? He says, King Mutt, and then laughs. But he doesn't question it. Like, he doesn't know that he's the Mutt. So I think, in this movie, he does know he's a dog, because he's never confused, really. He doesn't question people when they refer to him as a Mutt. So I think in this movie, he does actually know he's a dog. I kind of think, for all intents and purposes, in this movie, Scooby doesn't know anything. Scooby's an automaton. He's a he's a hollow um, a hollow shell of what Scooby usually is. And when he says King Mutt, that's not him just agreeing that he's the mutt and he's the dog. That's him like doing his little programmed response. This is my favorite theory we've had yet. That Scooby Doo is in fact in this movie not Scooby Doo, and which is why I've been saying that Scooby doesn't know that he's a dog and that in this movie i was gonna say scooby is aware that he is a dog and your theory rosa just confirms it to me that that means that scooby is not scooby in this movie luke any thoughts on what's going on with scooby in this movie does he know he's a dog is he a robot well i think one of the main like indicators of whether or not he's a he knows he's a dog is the scooby snacks um right is, is that what some of the consensus is um well shaggy go- also eats the scooby snacks though yeah, but like, hmm, I don't know. I was just going to say, like, I thought it was weird that Velma had Scooby snacks in the desert randomly. Um, yeah. And I think, well, it, I think that if uh, he was a dog, I don't think he's a dog. I think he's actually three quarters dog 
one quarter human because he mm. can talk. And um, so he's kind of like a hybrid. I think he's in the middle. And I think he knows that he's a hybrid. Um, anyways, but like if, uh, if they knew like he was a dog, like 100%, then um, I don't think they would have the Scooby snacks with them. Hmm. My first idea when you were saying that Scooby is three quarters dog, one quarter human, is that when they announced Scoobus as well, that means that Scooby is related to a pharaoh, a dog pharaoh, or a human pharaoh. We Now it's up in the air. But that also Scooby, we don't know if like this prophecy of Scoobus is true because later in the film, they say something along the lines of Scooby and Shaggy kind of question it. And AAA says something like fate brought you here, basically that, which we don't know if Velma was making up these things because it seems like Velma was more aware of the pyramid than she let on. But at the same time, the, everything in the pyramid, except for the undead seems to be real. So there's this leeway between, well, is the prophecy real? Is there really a Scoobus? Which I think Scooby-Doo needs an ancestry test. Kaylee, remember that. Well, that's the title of this episode. Does Scooby-Doo need a genealogy test? Yeah. Ricky, thoughts on if Scooby-Doo knows he's a dog? Okay, so at first I was thinking about it, and I was like, okay, what if there are multiple Scooby-Doo's, you know? Like, what if there are, like, alternate universes where some Scoobies are aware of their canine-ness um, or in some aren't? But then that made me think about um, a theory posited by Magic Finger, where they said that, um, and after the cyber chase, that you know they could have just replaced each other, um, like like Jordan Peele us. So I was thinking that this movie came out a few years after Cyber Chase, and I haven't really, I don't know what movies came out in between those two, or if Scooby Doo made any of those jokes. But this could very well be Cyber Chase Scooby Doo. Um, in this movie being like, you know, that's why, that's why he kind of sucks. Cause he's not the real Scooby. He's just like a, he's just like a carbon copy of what somebody thought Scooby was like. And they put him in a video game and now he's in the real world and he's not as cool as he once was. Um, also another theory I had was, uh, what if, um, what if Scooby-Doo is a human and we all just perceive him as a dog? <laughs> hmm. But my main theory, my big theory, the one I'm going with is that he is the, he is the Scooby-Doo, Cyber Chase Scooby-Doo. We're going to need a chart. You're connecting movies, but I, I'm kind of more interested in your second theory there. That we oh, perceive, okay, well, then that's the one I'm going with. <laughs> that we perceive Scooby as a dog just because that's easier maybe to see him as that. Is he just too powerful? Maybe that's why yeah. he can talk. It's yeah, like maybe maybe I'm going a little too far with this here, but stick with me. What if our eyes just purely can't comprehend the pure being of energy that Scooby Doo truly is? What if what if a dog mm -hmm. is just the form that he chooses? Gozer the barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we've officially gone as far as we can go with this question. <laughs> I, think, I think we've hit all the all the spots on the Scooby chart. And put all another, the big touchstones. Yeah, there's a big trope I feel like in Scooby movies where Scooby and Shaggy always fuck something up. 
they always are scaredy cats. And a big theme in this movie is that they're the brave ones at the end. But also there's a trope in many Scooby movies that Scooby is royalty or royalty based. And this movie hits every single trope. And like we were saying, the jokes don't land a lot of the time because it's just trope and hitting. Oh, I'm going to repeat a word. This is for kids. And something we talk about a lot here is that some of the Scooby movies are more enjoyable when they have adult humor, especially for us as all 20 somethings. Kaylee, do you maybe just enjoy this era less because they're pivoting towards kids? Can we still appreciate a Scooby-Doo kids movie or are we just too old now? Um, I mean, I feel like I'm enjoying each one of these less and less and less because each one I'm like, oh my, it's an hour and 15 minutes long. I'm just nothing really of value or substance. I feel like the live action movies spoiled us with Scooby-Doo content. They're too good. And now I compare everything else to those and everything else is boring and bad in comparison. And all of my ratings since we watched the live action ones have been bad ratings. And I think that's because the live action movies are perfect and nothing else can compare. Rosa, are you still able to enjoy a children's movie, which some Scooby movies are very clearly, some of the earlier ones and even going into the 90s and some uh, of the live action based ones are very clearly maybe not for kids. This very clearly the brand pivoting for kids ages six to 12 ish to 15 at the oldest, like just that general target audience. Do you still find some merit in this movie or is it just hard for you to be like, I would want to watch this one if not for this podcast. This one, hmm. I feel like, let me let me preface my statement by saying I am a bad movie connoisseur. I love bad movies. Um, I feel like I would watch this movie um, outside of this podcast, but only with company, not on my own, and for the for the pure bad value because I'm not gonna watch this movie and be satisfied by the story or the plot or the characters or anything. Um, it, has to be, it has to be sort of a, a masochistic enjoyment, if you will. Luke, do you feel, same question you really, do you feel like you can still enjoy kids content maybe in a similar way that Rose is saying to make fun of it a little, but just as like kind of a comfort background show or is it just when you're trying to watch something like this you just take it too seriously? Does it ruin maybe a bit of your childhood that you think, oh, I really enjoyed this as a kid and now it's kind of crap to me? Yeah, I don't even think Kid Me would have liked this this movie. Um, but like, I don't know, like I, I watch like modern uh, kids movies nowadays and, I, and like um, all I think about is like, that's not real, really realistic, especially this movie. I was watching it and I was like, mm that's kind of like a, like a cheap way to get from point A to point B. Mummy's living. Um, that's not realistic. Says Luke Becker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm more of a, I'm, no, I'm not, I'm not, I don't really like to view content that way, but um, this movie made me think of those questions more than I wanted to. Uh, yeah. Ricky, do children's movies, do you think prompt something in us as 20 somethings to maybe look at, look at them a little bit more skeptical see um as we grow so do our brains so does our maturity ideally um some of us not so much but um i think as we get older there is this primal nature inside of us that thinks it's cool to hate children's media 
um, for a myriad of reasons, of course. But um, ultimately, uh, this was bad. This was genuinely bad. I hated it. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know why. I, I think I do have a, I do think that um, this came out in 2005 and in 2004, the live action movie came out and that movie was a little raunchy compared to like a lot of other kids movies. So I do think that with maybe some of like the parent response to how that movie was, um, maybe this is where they, they were like, okay, we need to kind of start reeling it into more children focus instead of um, whatever James Gunn was thinking of doing. <laughs> Can yeah. I just can yeah. I just speak my truth for a second here? <laughs> <laughs> um I totally forgot. Ricky, <laughs> what did you say to to jog my memory? Ben, cut this out. Thank you. You're my editor now. <laughs> I said, mm -mm. Mm -hmm. so I don't I think there's a, a primal thing inside of our head that makes us want to crap on kid media um but no this movie is bad i hated it um the first scooby-doo live action movie came out in 2004 this came out in 2005 so maybe that this movie was kind of a response to some of the negative feedback by parents for the live action being too adult or too i remember now okay okay so <clears throat> the whole title of this movie scooby-doo where's my mummy Big disappointment, I thought. Um, not only does it sound like something they thought up in the room and then uh, went with on the first pass, it, it doesn't have any sort of uh, foreboding nature to the fact that they're dealing with mummies and ancient crypts and stuff. It's just, um, it's just a little pun. And it, I thought it was a little disappointing. Um, there are also two other mummy movies, two other Scooby-Doo mummy movies. There's Scooby-Doo um, and a Mummy 2, and then there's uh, Scooby-Doo Mum Scares Best. And, like, you already used the mom pun for the mummies, you know? like Exactly. Try harder. <laughs> but this is awful timing because we started getting into the, the deep cuts, but I need to leave. <laughs> can i say can i say one more thing yeah and then we'll pick this up okay hopefully on sunday and we'll just start from like here because i i have a lot more that i feel like we have to say but go okay i didn't know where to where or if i would be able to say this at some point but you if you're somebody who likes mummies as much as i do you'll notice that throughout the movie they'd read hieroglyphics incorrectly um <laughs> every like every time um that's all hello again scoopsters hello again fools and ghouls we are back it feels like seven months where we had to end the first part of this podcast a little short so luke you have a you now have a haircut ricky is now eating dinner he hasn't eaten dinner in seven months i can't believe it but we're back to talk about scooby-doo where's my mommy and yes ricky Am I allowed to show the logo of the soda can I'm drinking? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we actually ended off last time with Ricky talking about how this film 
is after the live action Scooby-Doo movies, which were a little notorious for having adult humor and how that could affect the rebrand of Scooby-Doo. Ricky, do you just want to give us a refresher on your thoughts about this rebrand being mainly for kids only? Does the audience need a refresher for them? Then didn't, didn't they just... Didn't they yeah, they just heard it? it, but like, do you, have, do you want to add anything else? Okay. Um, well, uh, so this movie came out just a year after the, the live action, the first live action one. And I remember, excuse me, I remember <laughs> reading uh, about how James Gunn, who wrote and directed the, the live action movies, got a lot of backlash for making the live action movies kind of more centered around teens and adult humor um, and how he wanted it to be even more raunchy and how Warner Brothers probably wanted to stray as far away from that kind of perception as they could moving forward, at least animated wise. So I think that's maybe a, a reason why this one seems far more uh, centered around children than the previous cartoons that you might have talked about. Yeah, great. And just a question that I don't think I asked, and if I did last time, I'll cut this out. But does watching a kid's movie that is aimed maybe kind of in that gray area for adults and for kids, does that help a viewing when we watch it when we're older? Or can we still enjoy something like this even though we're older and it's clearly for kids, just Rosa to start, do you think this having like no adult humor at all and being specifically for kids, aside from maybe one or two things that we interpret or infer as adults, do you think that helps or hurts your viewing? I think we already did this question. Did but... I already ask it? If I yeah. did, God damn it. I should have <laughs> to myself. Um, you should have, your hubris. So, so then we can get right into the music. We played Mummies, Rags, and Riches. Luke, you, you brought up the music. What about the music struck a chord with you? Yeah, so I was watching Phineas and Ferb earlier today, and I was remembering how often that, like, the music from the show, like, slaps, absolutely slaps. And um, when I was watching this movie, I, I couldn't even remember, I, couldn't, I can't even, like, recall one, like, lyric from the movie one like tune so like they they didn't really spend that much time into the the music department and in going into this um to this film i think we're calling it a film not a movie um but uh yeah i think um yeah like there's obviously some shows or or like movies that are have, have their music department are you know they, they put a lot of time into and scooby-doo is not one of those unfortunately not this time Mm -hmm. I agree. I think um, uh, Ricky. Yeah, I think the this movie kind of came out around the same era as like you know the Zombie Island and uh, the Cyber Chase and everything. And those uh, features had such great music, such as Terra Time or uh, the song that Shaggy sings about his alien Groovy, thing. Yes. Groovy, and those were great. Those were great songs. And then I don't know. And then the the mummy song in this one was terrible. It was so bad. I remember watching it and just like, I think I even turned the volume down and just looked at my phone for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, like Ricky, would you yeah. like have this song as like a ringtone, or would you ever like look it up 
on like YouTube no. and be like, man, I got to listen to this song. Because I got to say, um, when we were, when we were talking about what we were going to talk about before this podcast, pre-recording a little behind the scenes, um, it was, it was a real mental anguish for me to try to even remember the title of this song. It was really digging into the deepest parts of my mind. And I think that says something. Yeah, I think they're they're just like pretty much inserted in there to just make the film of Scooby Doo like like three minutes longer because they're all they're just like running around. It's kind of I could, I guess yeah. it's kind of goofy, you know, like the kids are watching it and they're like, oh, they're running around, you know. Uh, How do you get into that coffin? Yeah, they're just in the other one. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But like, I guess it's kind of fun if you're looking at it from a a pure like kid standpoint, which we should start doing. Yeah. you know, I think we should change That's our true. mindset um, on this on this movie. I'm not a okay, Ricky. Really, <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to do something about that. Uh, I'm oh. not. A, <laughs> I'm not a child, so that's a bit tough. But I agree <laughs> with you, Luke. That uh, something I've spoken about in a few of these episodes is how the music is always just the full-length songs are always just for these action sequences, and sometimes it feels like the action action sequences are totally dependent on the music. And really it doesn't even matter what's happening in the action because it's like plot, 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 action sequence, plot, 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 action sequence, third act, big twist, big reveal, something along those lines. That the music being kind of iffy on this one lends way to the action scenes just kind of dragging on a bit maybe. It doesn't really add anything. There's a lot with the whole team uh, trying to you know invade the pyramid and kind of steal and then the obviously mystery gang following them so i think there could be a lot more potential there and my question based on this is do you think there's a way that we can fix scooby-doo action sequences rosa do you think there's something that you want to see from a scooby-doo action sequence so it's not entirely dependent on the music mm. i really think the things that make scooby-doo action sequences uh special and what they are is the actions that they're doing i kind of did like this one because it was uh there were some classic moments in there like when they uh would disappear into one sarcophagus and appear from another um like i brought up before um that was nice that was classic um i think the music most of the time should really just not be bad enough to make you notice it and I did notice it this time and I didn't like that. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think if they just played on like the right tropes and everything and did, you know, the standard stuff, it would turn out just fine. Yeah, going off of that, like I think something that like other shows do that like make their music memorable is that the characters sing the songs. But like this is, it's just like, it's just, it's, and this, like movie and I guess all other Scooby-Doo like it's just like some random band jamming out some random like plot song and like uh it's not like fun to listen to like in the like some of my favorite like Simpsons songs like the whole like like city gets together and they sing a song and it's kind of funny and same with Phineas and Ferb like the people like like the characters sing the song and I think that's a that's a good way to if you want music in stuff like TV and stuff like that I think the characters it's bet it's enhanced when the characters um sing the song especially if it's a, like an entire like song not just like a, a part of a song i don't uh, i i don't disagree however i i will say that the previous uh dvd scooby-doo movies 
had songs from just random, you know, random bands, and they were really good. It's just that this one wasn't. Maybe they were just under a lot of pressure, <laughs> just a lot of pressure to make a good song, and it wasn't good. But um, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't. I don't. I feel like I don't know. The other movies had such a good like formula to them, and I feel like this one tried really hard to copy it, and then it just fell on its face. Luke. Speaking of formulas, too, something we talked about was the third act twist that Velma is secretly a kind of villain, half villain. I think she was doing it for, you know, worse nefarious purposes and motivations. But something that we've been going over a bit is, you know, how can we make the movie better? Like I just asked Rosa based on the action sequence. So Kaylee, if you were fixing a large twist scale that it feels like the movie isn't really the twist kind of can be whatever and the rest of the movie isn't dependent on the twist because they always are like, this happened this way and this is the explainer. And we as an audience are like, okay, sure. Is there something that you would fix about specifically the ending of the movie to make it more enjoyable? Would Do you like seeing that Velma is keeping something from the group? Or like, what would you add to just maybe give it a bit more, a bit more spice um, I don't know that it's necessarily the twist at the end that's the problem with this movie, because I think there's a lot wrong with this one. And I know we talked a little bit about this before, where, yes, Velma and Omar organized this whole thing to create a fake mummy army. But in the other Scooby movies uh, from this era, there's like a real supernatural thing happening like alongside the rest of the mystery so i think if there had been like actual mummies or like something happening and it wasn't just all velma behind it it would have been a lot more interesting i would agree with that yeah i thought it was kind of weird how velma just drank the entire nile river and made it disappear yeah that was a scene i didn't really understand in the movie I didn't really understand the entire Nile River plot. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe I didn't pay go? attention to, to the movie enough. But like, oh, um, I, I don't that... like that. Like, villain just kind of came and went. I don't really know anything. Yeah, about didn't that. the um the old cultist guy drink the river or dam it up illegally, and that was just totally unrelated to Velma's like uh, meddling and whatnot. Just worked out. Yeah, I feel like that yeah. takes a lot longer time than the time table they have on this movie. You know, it's a pretty big river. Yeah. I yeah. feel it's like the Nile. It's the it's, biggest it's, river. It's the biggest <laughs> river, right? So I feel like maybe we kind of look at that and just go, "Hey." I think so. I, think I thought so the too. Amazon might. Okay, no, that makes sense. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> another question we always ask on every podcast, based off any this is really up to your own morals and your values when it comes to a movie you're going to watch on a date i'm not asking specifically first date second date but if you or a partner pick this movie out on a date would it make it a good date is it a good date movie would you go on another date with this person if this person picked the movie out would you say ew gross goodbye leave my home or would you say i'll go again Kaylee, just um, oh, whoever wants to hop in. 
Yeah. Um, go okay. ahead. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> yeah, if I was on a date with somebody and they put on a bad Scooby Doo movie, and and it was like, and they were like, "Let's watch this." I'd be a little weirded out. I think. I think I'd be like already packing, like mentally packing my bags to leave. Um, but like, I would never. I would also never choose this movie because in my mind. Uh, I think the best like first date movie is needs to have like some sort of kissing, some sort of like hand holding, because you need an in Essential. to be able to be like, let's do that, or like if like, on the, the kiss first on date, yeah, on, on the, the first, first date, second date, date maybe. Yeah, Ricky Lucas is a killer. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't Louise, mess around, dude. Yeah, but like Lucas watching cartoon <laughs> Scooby Doo characters kiss and going, yeah. we need to do that right yeah, now. We need, we need to do that. It's a good idea. I don't know. Think about hey, it. Uh, you pause you it. About that? Look at what they're doing. Didn't I pick a great <laughs> Scooby Doo movie? <laughs> Ricky, do you think yeah, this is a good date movie? Um, I was having a lot of trouble with that question, but then Luke brought up a good point that if this is the movie that they choose to watch, you know, um, there are a ton of better Scooby Doo movies, and they're like, we need to watch Scooby Doo. Where's my mummy? on this date, I think I would, I would, I'd watch it. I'd stay and I'd watch it. <clears throat> I don't know if I'd come back. It'd have to be, they'd have to really sell me on it or distract me with conversations of fruitful intelligence. <laughs> Rosa? I, um, I think it definitely just depends on like a, how they, how they sell it to me. Like, just like Ricky was saying, I think I'd be a little, I'd be, I'd be a little on the fence about it, right? But as somebody who has shown people the live action Death Note movie on the first date, I'm no stranger to bad movies on the first date. So if they had a good time with it and we were both like chuckling, giggling it up, having a great time, um, of course, I'd, I'd have to investigate further, but it's definitely a red flag at first for me. Yeah, um, I think, so I think this is a very mediocre Scooby movie, and if you're going to watch a Scooby movie on the first date, you either have to pick one of the best ones, so one of the live actions, or Cyber Chase, or you have to pick one that's so, so bad that you just make fun of it the whole time, like uh, The Reluctant mm -hmm. Werewolf is awful. <laughs> this one is just like boring and mediocre all around, and I do not think it's a good date movie. I would not go on a second date with someone who picked this movie. It's um, I think it's a good like makeout movie, you know. We're like, oh, we're, uh, let's just put this one on. Yeah, you know? like mm. you could do other things. You could talk while this movie's on. You could, right? Or you can make yeah. out. Oh, put a DVD yeah, yeah. in the yeah, Blu-ray yeah, player. Okay, let's <laughs> yeah. go make out. <laughs> I have to say, I'm going to make the case. I'm going to disagree with basically all of you. I agree on the point that this is a mediocre Scooby-Doo movie. But I think it's a hilarious choice for a date movie <laughs> based on only really two things. Kaylee, I agree that it has to be easy to make fun of. You have to be able to take one element and make fun of it. And I think people turning into rock, turning into stone, and the weird kind of uh, fearless secret agent type people, they're just really easy to make fun of. And if you want to get deep and have a deep discussion, I think it's open for that. But I think it's really easy to make fun of those people or just to be like, that's weird. Look at that. 
I think the twist I would overhype so much to the point that when it happened, I'd be like, oh, fuck Velma. See this shit? See what's going on? And I would yes. be an insane person. I probably wouldn't get another date, but I would be so insane at this twist that I would talk about it just the entire time and be like, you, you're not going to expect this shit. You won't believe this shit. You see how she blindsided uh, her friends? I would never do that to you. You see how she did that? You know, something along those lines. I think because of those two reasons alone, I think it's a hilarious date movie. And if someone picked it out, I wouldn't love it, but I would, I wouldn't be mad. I'd be like, okay, cool. I think it does. It doesn't hamper on too long where you can get to the end and it's not like that's the end of the date already. Okay. We watched this one Scooby-Doo movie. Have a nice night. Here are your flowers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. That's an uh, interesting way to approach it. I've never thought about it like that because it would be very extremely funny. I, I do have to agree with you there. Uh, any movie that has people turning into rocks, I don't know why, but I am immediate. Any movie that someone turns into an, uh, like the Han Solo, I and they their face is just like, I die laughing at it every time. Cartoon, not cartoon, it doesn't matter. So when it's even Velma and then it turns out it's fake rock, I still don't understand how it's a fake rock that she turned into which means she had to mm -hmm. cast her, she had to put a whole cast and plaster herself and then put yes. it into a kiln somewhere and have it made and then take it back out mm -hmm. and put it perfectly with like six seconds to spare. Didn't she we don't close. know it's like a good, we don't, it's like a fast rock stuff. We don't know how long she was in Egypt for. She could have had these like designs already. She was planning that far in advance? Yeah. I when mean, I, well, she's smart. Know? She's smart. She's was, smart and hot. There was a time between there's an unspecified amount of time between when they unearth the tomb right <clears throat> and when the gang and the treasure hunters show up so there could have been plenty of plenty of opportunity for that i don't like it here's a great here ricky brings up a great question though and one that i've always wondered velma is the smart person of the group she wears glasses she is smart those are her two characteristics in almost every scooby-doo movie how smart do we think Velma really is? Based on I, this we want like IQ I don't points? think I don't think she's smart at all. Only because like she can never find her glasses. Like in this movie, she dropped them and she was crawling on the ground when she dropped them, I think. Right? Am I wrong? Mm -hmm. I, I might be wrong. But like she was crawling on the ground. She dropped them. She could have just picked them up. How bad is her eyesight? I don't know. He's probably like a dumb person. Blind. Maybe. But like how dumb does she have to be to like not to like keep losing her glasses time and time again? Do you think really? she's so Literally. book smart that her street smarts don't matter at all? Like it, it's not applicable because her book smarts are so out of this world. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like, I feel like even if she didn't have any street smarts and was only book smarts, there has to have been at least one book where somebody talks about a glasses chain, right? <laughs> <laughs> there's this new invention velma we, guess what velma you're gonna lose your shit <laughs> yeah uh, this movie makes me question though her intelligence based off of how she's using other scooby films that we've watched have used tourism to their advantage and how this movie uses her being at this dig site and basically just they could have just told these people no and hired security but no instead they go through this whole big charade and plan to scare people away even though her friends are there which it's double dangerous which like who knows what could go wrong i'm thinking too much in this but on my sake 
I think she's like a megalomaniac and not like smart. How intelligent must she be, Ricky? Thoughts? Okay, you guys, I mean this with all the love in the world. You guys are idiots, okay? I'm so sorry <laughs> that Lavelma made a, made one thing that you guys are like, oh, when she's not as smart, she She seems made one Iowa. little oopsie. <laughs> I'm in this group, in this group, in this phone call right now are some of the most intelligent and passionate people I've ever met. And I've seen you all do incredibly stupid stuff. I'm sorry that she's not perfect. Yeah, I guess I'm it was sorry. a mistake. Of Bell's what? Drop her glasses. I, never, I guess it was a uh, mistake, just a mistake. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> um, yes, she drops her glasses sometimes. She might not have the thought of buying a glasses chain. Maybe she tricked all of her friends to thinking that there was an evil ghoul wandering around ancient <laughs> Egypt. We've all done things that we regret. I know I have. But ultimately, Velma is every bit of smart as she comes off, perhaps even smarter. And I like to think that there, there comes a time in Scooby-Doo lore where she outsmarts everybody and just goes on her own. Hasn't that happened canonically in a movie at least once? I don't like know. they have to come back together because Velma has like left and been a smart person oh, and Shaggy like works at the airport. Yeah, that's the that's the zombie one, isn't it? Oh, I believe uh, so. Escape to not, Zombie Island. That's not why she didn't just like leave. It's just like they parted their own ways. But to Ricky's oh, point, okay. yeah. that uh that third bullet you were talking about, uh I don't know if uh Everyone's done that. She's working with Omar, who's a prince. So it makes me believe that she is trying, more so than her friends, trying to help a republic of some kind, maybe of Egypt. I don't know <laughs> if he's the prince of Egypt. Mm. That maybe she is thinking, you know, Prince Omar. At first, I think we were questioning if she is hitting on him. I don't think that's it. I think she is trying to declare the Mystery Inc. as their own diplomatic country, essentially, and trying to mm. establish, this is all metaphor, establish a relationship between two countries mystery inc and prince omar of egypt and i think that by doing that who knows you know we're learning a lot about networking maybe uh it'll help her uh, network along the way maybe they'll get more mystery jobs maybe there are a lot of mysteries when it comes to the pyramids i don't know kaylee is velma smart what's the end goal here okay velma is for sure smart i agree with ricky in the first live action movie, when the gang splits up, Velma goes to work for NASA, okay? Velma is very, very smart. And in this movie, she outsmarts everyone else in the mystery gang. Sure, she still loses her glasses, but like Ricky said, is she not allowed to make one mistake? She is not perfect. She's very hot, but she is not perfect, okay? She is allowed to make a mistake. And I, I will go on record to say Velma is very smart and the smartest one in mystery. Smarter than all of you, even. Yes. Smartest one yeah. in Mystery Inc. is not necessarily a glowing endorsement, though. Have you seen those characters? Sure. Fred, Fred kind of shaky. Shaggy, his brains are fried. Scooby Doo is a dog. Daphne, Shaggy I and Scooby is solve more smart. every. Shaggy and Scooby solve every mystery. By dumb luck. <laughs> <laughs> at some point, at some point, at some point, there's no way. There's no way after a certain point where it's just coincidence every time. I think Shaggy and Scooby are a lot smarter than they let on. Could they do it on their own? Kinda... Well, they say it. Uh, they... they say it in sports all the time. Sometimes, you know, they look at a guy and they say he's always in the right place at the right time. That's never coincidental. I kind of agree with. Uh, I I kind of agree with the main point. 
that at a certain point, there can't be a coincidence. But something we talked about on the live action ones that I'm very interested to hear all of your opinions on, on a cartoon level, is attractiveness of the mystery inking. Because Kaylee just brought up how she believes Velma is attractive, okay? On, mm-hmm. And Kaylee, you just said, yeah, do you believe this on every level? And I want to rank the mystery ink members and you can throw in any other character you want on this movie alone, because I think this is, you know, Fred with the ascot, there's quintessential moments and aspects of these characters that we see throughout the entire Scooby-Doo media. So Luke, if you want to start us off, not that you find any of these cartoon characters attractive, but if you had to rank them based on attractiveness, how would you do it? I think they're in college. Is it? So it's okay. So you're not going to be arrested. Yeah, yeah, it's so, not a pup named Scooby-Doo. Scooby <laughs> is on the bottom because Scooby's a dog. And then I would say Shaggy is four because, I don't know, just like a little skinny guy. I don't, I'm not really sure. I would say Velma three. Um, and that's mm. a, a soft three, not a, not a, a hard three. But um, uh, Daphne at number one. I have to say, uh, 100%. Please. Daphne is, I think, the dream girl of everyone's <laughs> of everyone's lives. Um, Please I watch would... the wording, Luke. Maybe don't say soft and hard during this segment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Fred at two. You know, he's well put together. Uh, you know, uh, so good for him. Um, but you know, Daphne. You know, she's in the fashion. She's uh, into like if we're just going off attractiveness, she's into a she's into her appearance. She works on it. You know, I have to give it to her, number one. And she's beautiful. And she's cool, you know? She's like, you know, who wouldn't want to marry Daphne or watch it or or, or go on a date with Daphne and watch Scooby-Doo with her? Who knows? This is 100% a trap question where I could have just had Luke answer this and then we all could have stayed in silence and then went, okay, and then moved on. But Ricky, agree with Luke's assessment. Is there something throughout this movie that you see, you know, you were very hard advocating that Velma's very smart. Does that lend way to her? Does that make her more attractive to you? Do you, what would be your personal rankings based on what Luke just said? <clears throat> okay, so for me, the hottest, um, most attractive character um, in the Mystery Gang is Daphne. Always has been, probably always will be. Um, I love Daphne. I always have. Uh, every iteration of Daphne is absolutely gorgeous, beautiful, great for me um <laughs> uh i could look at her all day uh she is the light at the okay yeah uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, going, uh-huh. number two number two <clears throat> number two and three switch between fred and uh, velma pretty frequently in my head i like fred i like the himbo type of vibe he has where he's just a dumb jock um but also velma's great in her own right very smart very uh independent i like that a lot um but then uh and then it's and then four and five is shaggy and scooby last because uh shaggy's just like a loser stoner and scooby's a dog mm. also daphne's rich like luke said and i really i really need a sugar mama like really badly at this point <laughs> we'll put your uh links down below rosa thank you are you on the same train that Daphne is the most attractive member and then everyone else kind of falls into place where you're uh, moving around uh, Fred and Velma? Or do you have a spontaneous new ranking system? I, um, I definitely have to say this. Okay, I believe Velma 
is the most attractive member of Mystery Inc. Um, in this movie, definitely. Um, then being probably Fred, Fred second, for the same reason Ricky said, I love the himbo vibe. Um, then, then comes Daphne, then comes Shaggy, and then Scooby's not on the list because I'm, I'm not that kind of person. Um, but I will say one thing. If we're not going specifically for this cartoon in all of Scooby-Doo media forever, I believe that Matthew Lillard as Shaggy was the most attractive member of Mystery Inc. ever. Um, and that's, that's my thoughts on the matter. Kaylee, I feel like for this movie, you would definitely lean towards Rosa's ranking. Where do you land on the spectrum of attractiveness of Scooby-Doo characters, which I'm changing the title of this episode to? Yeah, uh, my, my ranking is very, very different than everybody else's. Um, I'll start at the bottom. Scooby, last place, because he's a dog, and I'm not going to go there. <laughs> Number four, Fred. Hate the himbo energy. Want nothing to do with it. Mm. Fred is number four. Don't like him. Uh, number three, is probably Shaggy. Although, if we're talking, if if we were talking about live action, this would be very different. But I'm just talking general Scooby. Uh, and then number two, Daphne. Number one, Velma. I say it every episode. I find a way to bring it up. Velma is hot, and she has been. <laughs> Since the orange leather jumpsuit in the live action movies, she will forever be hot. Hottest woman in the studio. Here's my problem with all of these rankings is for this movie, which is very Egypt centric, it has a vibe. Daphne at one point is Cleopatra. Velma at one point is supposed to be Cleopatra esque uh, slash a ghost, which kind of works for me. So for that reason on this movie, I'll put Velma first. After that, I have to put Daphne. Fred and Shaggy, kind of, I, I, I can take them or leave them in some stance. So I have to, I don't fully agree with Kaylee that I hate the himbo energy. But in this movie, I like him. So I'll put the spot above Shaggy. So my list looks very similar to Luke's. On a point about this movie as a whole, though, do we think it represents Egypt well? A question I asked on another Scooby-Doo movie that took place in Australia was if it would make you want to visit Australia. So I'll ask the same thing here. Before we get into our rankings uh, of the movie as a whole, would this want to make you visit Egypt? Does this movie sell Egypt well? Do you think, as a kid watching it, you would feel like Egypt is even a real place? Luke, you want to start? Yeah, um, there's a scene in the movie that I, I actually put down in my notes that um, there's a sandstorm. Um, and if anybody has ever been in any sort of sandstorm, you, we all know that the sand gets in our eyes or like dirt or whatever. Um, like I remember one time in eighth grade, I was at the park and it was a little windy and I got dirt in my eye and it was like I was rubbing it for like two days and it hurt so bad. It was just a little bit windy. Oh, oh yeah. And, but anyways, there was a huge sandstorm in this, in this place. And um, these people had their eyes wide open and there was no sand getting into their eyes. So, you know, I guess it's kind of cool. You know, the sand is 
or the eyes are not affected by the sand in this part of the world, I guess. But um, yeah, so that's, I guess that's one point Egypt. I like um, it. That's your nitpicky thing. Scooby-Doo, Fred goes to the optometrist. <laughs> <laughs> what else were you going to add to it? Would you visit <laughs> Egypt based on this movie alone? If you don't know what Egypt is and you watch this movie, or are you visiting? Yeah, and there's also quicksand. I forget if we already talked about this, but there's, there's quicksand in the scene of this movie, which is, uh, you know, every, everyone's fear, like John Mulaney says in his sketch, everyone's fear as a little kid is quicksand. Um, and uh, I guess this is the only part in the world where quicksand actually exists is, is this, this, uh, this little temple in Egypt. And um, so I guess that's, that's one point uh, taken away from, from living here. Uh, but um, yeah, I'd say overall, no. Um, no, the, the sandstorms don't help or the, um, the, the sandstorms that don't hurt your eyes. Uh, they, don't, they don't really help that much. And there's no... Um, there's only like hallucinated lakes there. Uh, and um, I don't know, I, like doesn't seem that cool. The movie doesn't sell it, the area that well. Ricky, does the movie do a good job selling Egypt? Are you on Luke's train that if you didn't know what Egypt was and you watched this movie, you would hate Egypt? <clears throat> no, actually, I think... One of the things that I really, really liked about this movie was how educational it was about Egyptian, um, like religion and uh, history, about the pharaohs and the different gods that they celebrate and worship. I thought it was very informational. I really appreciated um, how much research I think went into this movie. Um, it was all very basic level, but again, this is meant for children. So I thought it was a really cool introduction for a lot of kids into um, Egyptian history. I thought it was really sweet. Um, I will say, I will agree with Luke on the fear that there's not much water. Uh, there's that one scene in the beginning where they're like, we need water. And then the guide's like, I'll bring you to water. And he just brings them to the empty Nile and doesn't really help him after that point. <laughs> but um, I, I, I would, I, if I didn't know what Egypt was and I watched this movie, I would think Egypt's pretty pretty rad um despite the fact that it's literally just a desert and then a big huge triangle and that's all you see <laughs> rosa you now have two sides are you choosing one of those or are you carving your own path um hmm. i gotta say as a as a big fan of mummies in general um like i said at the beginning of this podcast <clears throat> i've always been inclined to go to egypt just to see the mummies um this movie definitely reinforces that. Um, the one little scene in the marketplace when Fred and Daphne are walking around uh, um, turned me off of it a little bit just because I don't want to get drop kicked by any like swinging assassins or anything like that. Um, that's always been a big no for me. But I think in general, if I didn't know what Egypt was, I would probably want to go there, especially especially because of the scene with um i forgot who it was oh it was also fred daphne sitting on top of the uh great pyramid of giza i believe um i would have loved to sit on top of that pyramid that sounds sick uh and i would have gone there thinking yeah uh, naively that i could just walk up and do that of course uh 
I'm an adult now and I know I can't. You fly all the way there thinking this will happen. Oh no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what do you mean it's a security hazard? <laughs> Kaylee, are you taking a plane to Egypt? I mean, I feel like this movie just is like a character of Egypt. Like it just has the Sphinx and the pyramids, which is what everybody knows to be in Egypt. Like doesn't and the Nile, except the Nile is somehow just gone in this movie. Like I don't think it really gives us anything to be like, hey, look at this cool thing in Egypt that you didn't know we had. It's just like it's literally everything that everyone already knows. So I mean in like a general sense, I would want to go to Egypt anyways, not because of this movie, because this movie doesn't do anything to like promote Egypt in any way that hasn't been done before. So Yeah, I just think it's neat, so I would go. And that's my entire I agree, you know, all we see are the pyramids and some sand. And Luke's nitpick points about the hazards of being in Egypt are definitely worrisome to me. But if I'm heading there, I'll take a plane. I'll go there, obviously, post-COVID. To get into our final rankings of Scooby-Doo, where's my mummy? We're going to give, out of 10 Scooby snacks, you can give any decimal point you would like. We're going to give a nostalgic ranking for if you watch this movie as a kid, or maybe if you did watch this movie as a kid, it's completely up to you. If you don't want to give a nostalgic ranking, totally fine. And we're going to give a current day ranking. I'll go first, then Kaylee, then you three, and we'll finish it up. I think my nostalgic ranking based on me just remembering the Swiss alone and going, what the fuck? I'll give it a 6.75 because I was very high on it. And that made me very high on it. I'm not going to give it an extremely low current day ranking because I think it works on some levels. I don't think it's the most boring. I don't think it drags on. And I think the twist holds up, held up for me, even though I was diving deep into it. I think it just holds up that it's weirder than any other Scooby-Doo movie I've seen, even though the animation isn't weirder. And for that, I'm going to give it a five flat for my current day ranking. Kaylee, what are your two rankings out of 10 Scooby Snacks? Um, for my nostalgia ranking, I'll give it a five out of 10 because I just remembered it being very down the middle, nothing great, not horrible. It was never my favorite. I watched it like maybe a couple times before this episode. And then current day ranking, I'm gonna keep it at a five. It's not the worst one we've watched. It's not great by any means. It's just a normal Scooby movie, so five out of 10. Now let's go Rosa, Ricky, and we'll finish it off with Luke. Um. I think for a nostalgic rating, I'm going to have to say <clears throat> a 6.5 um, for, for all the same reasons I said at like, the beginning of the episode. I'm a big fan of mummies. I'm a big fan of Scooby-Doo. Of course, when I was a kid and I didn't know anything better, I was going to love this movie regardless. Um, I think for a modern day ranking, I might have to swing down to like a three or a four maybe. Just because, well, I'll say a four. The, the thing that saves it from being a three is that even though I have seen this movie as a child, the twist at the end was still kind of surprising to me. I, um, I didn't see it coming. When it happened, I was like, oh, wow, that's crazy. Haha. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it was 
It was all right. Definitely not the worst ranking I could give a movie. Um, for me, uh, nostalgic rating, probably a zero because I didn't watch it as a child. <clears throat> and I'm glad I didn't. It was terrible. Uh, as a kid, I probably wouldn't have paid attention to it at all. Um, as a kid, I wasn't really into mummies like Rosa was. Um, I would really only watch it for the Scooby-Doo factor. Uh, current rating, I'd probably give it a 10. Uh, I thought it was really great. <laughs> um, I thought uh, I, it was some of the things I liked was that the bad guys in the movie were pure evil. They, there wasn't any like moral ambiguity. I thought that they were very clearly, these are the bad guys and they don't care about doing good at any at all. I thought the visual gags were pretty funny. There was the scene where uh, someone sneezed dust onto Scooby's nose and he brushed it off with a little dirt pan. I thought some of the cinematography was good. There was that one shot of um, Rock Rivers where he has the camera placed just in front of his head to make it look like he had the camera head. I thought that was a really interesting choice for a child's movie. Um, Ron Perlman as Hotep, Jeremy Piven as Rock Rivers. This is a very star-studded cast. I thought that was really cool. Um, nice mummy reference with having the character from the mummy play, play the same character basically. And it was very educational uh, for children and even for me overall, uh, despite its flaws pretty good pretty good i yield the rest of my time <laughs> this is the most surprised i've been and yet the most i've agreed wow thank you ricky and luke tough act to follow your final ranking nostalgic and current day any decimal point you want to add 10 scooby snacks yeah i don't think i saw this movie when i was a child but um so i guess you know like a not applicable um for this for this rating but i'm gonna like try to try to shift this rating um i think if like if i were to show this to my kids you know one day in the future um i think they would enjoy it and i think they would remember it well so i think the nostalgic rating for my future children would be like a, a solid seven maybe maybe a, maybe a six or like a 6.5 even in the middle who knows but um you know what maybe that wouldn't even exist. I have to have kids first in order to be able to um, certify that rating. Um, that means get on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think the after watching it, I was really thinking, do I like this movie? Do I do I like? Am I okay with this movie? I think um, I would choose to watch a handful of different children's um, content uh, movies um, before I would choose watching this one, I think, ever again. I don't think I will ever watch this movie again. I, I, I'm going to be honest. That, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty big dock uh, against the movie because like, like movies like, um, I don't know, uh, Up or uh, Toy Story, you know, like those like good movies or no, they're, they're great movies, but those are like, like kids' movies. I don't know how, if I would say they're exactly kids' movies, but like um, movies uh, kind of designed more to children. Um, you know, they're good because I want to watch them again. I don't think I would ever want to watch this movie again. Um, yeah. So I'd say, you know, I, I'm going to throw a two, throw it a two. Uh, yeah. Two. I don't think it goes anything higher than a two. Um, 
I didn't write it well on Letterboxd. Um, so, uh, yeah, I like nothing really memorable. But um, I think if I were a kid, I, I would enjoy it more. I never saw it as a kid. I don't think I really watched that much Scooby-Doo as a kid. Um, I do have this one memory of this one time. I was at a play date with this kid uh, that lived a couple blocks away from me. And um, he was playing Scooby-Doo in the background. And um, and we were just like doing other stuff. But that was like the, one of the only few times I watched Scooby-Doo. And um, yeah, but uh, yeah, overall, I guess it was just chilling out of two. And I really can't wait till you have kids because when they turn six, I've decided I will call you up and I'll say it's time. And you'll go time for what? Who is this? And I'll go, it's Ben. You have to show them Scooby-Doo, where's my mommy? And then maybe you'll revisit it then. Who knows? I wouldn't put that big asterisk on it now. Thank you guys all so much for being on this half and half episode of the podcast that took seven months in between halves. Can't believe we let go that long. Kaylee, Mm -hmm. let's hear the outro. Cut row. Looks like we're all out of time. We'll see you next time on a pod named Scooby-Doo. Are you very Bye, excited everyone. for a special oh. guest next time? I didn't do that on the episode before this one, did I? God damn it. You didn't. I guess you didn't. Okay, that's fair. Well, no. Did you do it on David's? Yeah. Then, do we, yeah. Do we have to be here for this? Yes, this is coming out after David's. So then, yes. Okay. You want me to redo it? Up, do you want to? It's up to you. I'll do it. Okay. You don't have to do the rut row. Just do the Michael Vitorin. I'll do the whole thing. <laughs> rut row. Looks like we're all out of time. Once again, we had to bump Michael Vito Valentino, but that was fine because we had three way better guests. And we'll see Michael next time on a pod named Scooby Doo. Thank you for having us on. Thank you. This yeah, is the highlight of my year. Yeah. This is probably so. the highlight of my life. I don't know if it's ever going to get any better from here. Tonight.